Hey guys, welcome back to the Detour Live. And if we were excited yesterday, we are absolutely chewing at the bit for the final two stages of this year's Giro. Uh, Simon Yates, fantastic victory overnight. Uh, would have been great if he pulled a minute uh, off Bernal, but uh, we'll take the win. That was very, very impressive. I'm your host, Dan Jones, as always, joined by a rejuvenated Johnny Chavarro. He's out of his dressing gown, four-time national road <laughs> champion. And uh, Olympic gold medalist and commentator, Scotty McGrory. Uh, fellas, I'll start with you, Ify. Uh, first of all, how are you feeling? I'm coming with my best day. I'm, uh, yeah, coming, coming good, mate. I'm uh, not running around the block yet, uh, but, uh, yeah, we're all good. We're all good. Is, is that good, though? Like, it's your best day, but you're still feeling really crap? Like, is your best day pretty bad still, or you're actually okay? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't want to whinge. I don't have much time to waste, boys. Matt White is ready to go, and he's the man we want to be chatting to. Uh, Whitey, welcome back to the detour. First of all, congratulations, mate. Fantastic stage yesterday. Yeah, yeah. cheers. No, the uh, the boys were pretty impressive, pretty impressive, and uh, we wanted to uh, we wanted we wanted that stage win, and uh, there's only one way to do it, and that's uh, we control the break from the start. And it was first thirty minutes was sixty two k an hour. The first hour was 53k an hour, and then the break went. Uh, but we uh, we pretty much demoralised a lot of the bunch there by just shutting down everything. And then finally, when after an hour of racing, six riders went, got some fresh bottles, and the boys uh, put the engine room to work. And uh, with quick step, we uh, we controlled the rest of the stage until the bottom of the last climb. If did he... you have a talk with uh, quick step beforehand, make a deal, or did that just happen on the road? Uh, funny story, uh, Ilio Kessa, uh, who obviously one of the world's best uh, track riders, and Cam Meyer know each other quite well, and uh, and we knew that we knew that they were keen to uh, win uh, win the stage as well with Almeida. And what had happened the day before is Almeida obviously didn't didn't help uh, Simon, and then attacked him in the final, and it took seven seconds or whatever, and chocolate watch there. So uh, we, uh, Elio was talking to Cam in the neutral and uh, he said, uh, what, what are you guys going to do? Are you going to let a break go down the road today? And Cam said, not with you in it, no chance. And uh, <laughs> then, uh, then Bramati, one of the sports directors, spoke to me and uh, we are like, well, we're not letting you go down the road, so it's up to you. He, uh, we've got the same goal uh, and if, uh, we want to we keep that break in check and uh, – and give our, both our leaders the uh, the chance to um to win the stage. Hey, uh, you, you spoke about shutting all the breaks down. Um, UCI didn't uh, try and hit you guys with intimidation like they did with Sagan. <laughs> no, I actually didn't see what actually Peter did, but um, I I think uh, there's, there's a fine line between intimidation and tactics, isn't there, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's normally just called tactics. He was flexing his massive calves, and that intimidated a few of the guys, apparently. <laughs> now, if you had an interesting stat with Bernal in the last 200 metres. Yeah, look, it, it's been an amazing uh, Giro, and here we are, final mountain stage. Bernal's still got a big gap, but showing signs of cracking. And, the, and he rode better yesterday than the day before. But what surprised me, in the last 200 metres, he lost 10 seconds. Now, that means... You're right on the verge. You are, you know, in 200 metres, you're not going to lose 10 seconds. He did. So that means there could be a big seismic crack going to happen. So 
It, look, I know you can't answer all of this, Whitey. We'll just start to talk about it before you jumped on, before we went live. But it's sort of a conundrum. Uh, we all know the difference between where Yates is and where Banal is is only marginal. You know, the, the difference between being okay and cracking, it, it, it's when you're at the end of a grand tour, it's so minuscule. But a lot of it's in the mind as well. But, you know, with the body, it's not a lot in it. So if he really wants to win this bike race, he can't leave it until the last six, seven, eight kilos. He's got to go on one of those earlier climbs. He's going to have to do one of the big rides of his life. And then that could all run amok. Or do you just, you know, save it to the last Ensure getting second because he's still got a gain of extra time uh, on Caruso because Caruso is likely to go a bit quicker than him in the time trial. So, you know, there's a lot at play here. Yeah, there's a lot at play. And one thing for sure is, uh, is yeah, and I don't really care who's watching, is we, we won't be letting a big break go down the road again this morning neither. Not with, not with, any, not with Bahrain in it, not with Ineos in it. We want a small break down the road and we'll make sure of it. If that takes 50K, if that takes 80K, I've got the boys who can do it. And then we'll settle into a bit of rhythm there. And on the first the first and the second climb, we'll, we'll assess the situation. And uh, no, I agree with you, John. I think if, if we want to win the, the Giro, it, has to, it can't happen on the last climb. Um, but we've also got to see how Simon's going throughout the day. He made a big effort yesterday. But if we see cracks in other people on the second last climb, maybe that's the time to go. Or, or we go from the bottom of the last. Who knows? Who knows? But, you know, We've also we want to move up in GC, but and also we'd love to give Simon another opportunity to win a stage. So there's there's lots of different scenarios that can happen in that last like those last two climbs. But I expect another aggressive start today, and uh, there'll be a few teams that are interested in, in getting down the road because they haven't been able to do anything. But um, I'm sorry, uh, we won't be letting them. Um, <laughs> if Yates was to go early, Whitey, obviously it'd be ideal if he had support with a couple of other mountain goats that are feeling good and. Uh, Almeida's an obvious choice. Um, what would be the ideal scenario for that sort of to play out? The ideal scenario would be that um, Bernal's isolated without Martinez. I think Martinez has saved his behind uh, a couple of times here in the last few days. So obviously if Martinez was on a bad day, um, the problem we've got is we probably haven't got anyone you know, with Schultz gone and Mikel with busted ribs and, Martinez is, I don't know where he is on GC, but you know, he's in the top 10 sort of a rider. So but we so we haven't got enough strength, nor any other team, to push the pace that hard to isolate Martinez. And uh, Martinez will stay with Bernal, whether the attacks go at the bottom of the second last climb or the last climb, he'll stay with him. So the best case scenario for us would be if Martinez is on a bad day, Bernal's isolated, and then a group of riders get right away from Bernal. Uh, because, you know, if you caught... In a valley on your own, and you've got, you know, imagine if we're away with Caruso, Almeida, and, and Dan Martin, you know, and that, and, and, and Bernal stuck in a valley on his own. That's, that's when you can lose big time. And that would be totally demoralizing if, uh, if he was on his own. And the unfortunate thing is that Ineos have numbers, they're, they're a strong team, and they'll, they'll be sticking together. That their template's pretty easy to read. And, uh, the best case scenario for us is we isolate him and, and, and work with whoever is good enough to come with us. Yeah. Screwed up. Um, in that scenario, Dan Martin's going to have to get down the descent with the guys that get away on the climb. That's the only challenge for, for Dan. But um, uh, we've, we've, we've seen it a few times in the past where, you know, the leaders have capitulated on the last couple of days. Um, you know, and John's stat, is, I felt, was quite interesting, actually, that last 200-metre 
stat. And and when when Almeida Almeida went yeah yesterday, then Ineos did nothing. They just let him go off the front. You know, eight minutes or whatever it was was their gap. So they were not desperate to chase him. And then as soon as Simon went, same scenario. They just kept to the numbers. Did you see that as a we feel like we're in control or hey, we actually have to be very careful with Egan to make sure that we just ride a very, very smooth tempo all the way up here. I, I think a bit of both. I think a bit of both. I, I think that it's always... You know, the template they're using is not new. Uh, Lance Armstrong won seven Tour de Francis with a very similar template. Uh, safety in numbers. And, and the less your leader has to do in the win is, uh, is the most successful. And, and you, if you can surround your leader with riders at a very similar level... Well, then you don't have to panic, uh, especially when you are in a situation where you are leading the bike race by a comfortable amount. So I think that's you know, regardless of whatever the situation is with his back. I don't read the media or anything that comes out of that team's mouth about his back. Um, but there was a, there was obviously a clear tactic that he wanted to take time early in the race because there was obviously a, a lack of confidence in something in the back end of this race, because I think if he was really confident of his form for three weeks, he probably wouldn't need it, would, would not have needed to ride as aggressive as he has in those first two weeks. And uh, but because everyone knows how the Giro rolls, it's uh, it's always won in the last week. Um, and sometimes it can be lost in the last week as well, as we know. Mm. Hey, a- another one for you, mate. Um, in terms of, you know, so the tactics of, of Ineos in the past, and you know, it's all about the numbers, keeping the numbers of the riders with them, but also actually looking at their own power numbers to know what they can produce up a climb, what others may or may not be able to produce. How much of that's coming from the team car? So in a situation like that, how much is it someone like yourself looking at the actual data and the numbers that are coming through and knowing what the riders can or can't achieve and actually controlling them a little bit and giving them some instructions in those sorts of situations like we saw when Simon attacked and Ineos not immediately going after him. So I, I don't I don't know how Ineos operate, um, but all I can say is from our experience. So we know the where Simon's strengths are and what gradients his strengths are. And he obviously, working with his coach, know the numbers that he can put out for certain uh, amounts of time. And... The uh, if you saw some data yesterday, so yesterday, yesterday's climb that was the fastest climb out of any climb in the Giro this year, which is quite impressive on stage 19. So he he's clearly in a good place. But as far as instructions, uh, we set him up for certain places on climbs in good positions, and then he he has to go from feel and and knowing how he's feeling, and he knows what he's capable of doing for a certain amount of time. And even at his age, he's still improving. Uh, and you're seeing some pretty big numbers from uh, a very, very talented young climber who uh, who is not who has not reached his his peak level yet. So, yeah, when, when that's all, the, the training is so so scientific now that um, those guys the the repeat efforts they're doing, they're doing them at altitude, they're doing them in different races, in different series throughout the year. The the guys now do very much live and die off the numbers, and uh, they know they know what they're capable of doing, and uh, and so you've got to know what your strengths are, and especially with gradients as well. You know the bigger guys have to ride at a certain climb differently than Simon Yates, who's you know 56, 57 kilos. Uh, a big uh, uh, Bradley Wiggins when he had his best at 70 kilos would ride a very at a climb very different. Some guys who are very punchy and aggressive like Simon 
He loves he loves making that gap, getting out there. Then he has to hold it, you know. And it's it's harder to hold it when the climb is five or six percent. But when it's at ten plus percent, it doesn't matter really if you got a wheel to sit on. So it's all there's lots of different facets mm. that that you're working through. And then also it also depends on the athlete as well. But I can only comment on from from how we work. I don't know I don't know how um how Ineos work. Uh, we've got a couple of fan questions and comments. Uh, Paul Grove says, good luck to Yatesy and the team. Should be a cracking night's viewing. David says, did Bikey Change not know Martinez was off the back early yesterday? Yeah, we did. But that we did, and that's uh, but that was still 50k from the finish. And that was because the quick step uh, guys ripped the descent. So it wasn't because he was not going well. He was just in the 50th wheel and 45 guys, someone let the wheel in front of him. And, uh, and that's where the split occurred. So that was, we, we were well aware of that, but it was so far from the finish. It was irrelevant for us. Now, why do you know that I'm superstitious? The famous Hawks Jersey back in 2012 awarded the Torino. Well, you are selectively won. superstitious. Selectively. <laughs> and then we wore it at Milan San Remo. Gero got the chocolate. Selectively now, yesterday, superstitious. Yes. Yes. Yes, yesterday I played the Rocky motivational clip and Yatesy goes on and wins. So I have to keep the same routine, but I want to give you the choice. You can either watch a very polished motivational clip from the Miracle on Ice movie, Kurt Russell, when he was the coach of the US hockey team and he addresses them. They're playing the Soviets like Ineos, you know, unbeatable, gives them this rev up, gives them perspective, they go out, win, Miracle on Ice. Or you can have a rough as guts, three-quarter time speech from a local Aussie Rules footy team where the, the captain relies on the famous story of Gabriella Anderson Sheese in the 1984 Olympic Women's Marathon. Do you want the polished version or do you want rough as guts? Well, give me the polished version. Give me the, as, okay. you, as, as you can see, Jonesy, I've been pretty vanilla during this whole Giro. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just keep let's just keep with the vanilla. <laughs> All right, we'll go with the vanilla. I'll play the roughest gut speech at the end of the uh, podcast and show people exactly what, what I was going to say. I want to hear All the right. roughest guts. Let's go. This is what got the Americans over the line against the Russians. Great moments are born from great opportunity, and that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. 
I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Jeez, if that doesn't get you going, mate. Oh, goosebumps. Goosebumps. Now, this is your time, Whitey. It's time to take it. Does that get you going or what? You there? <laughs> mate, I'll be totally honest. Uh, I didn't hear any of it. All I saw, all I saw was... <laughs> oh. oh, no, I was, I was getting, It was freezing. And then oh, no. I didn't see one bit... Mate, oh, I saw, I I saw pictures of WhatsApp. Russell and that's it. I didn't hear one word oh, that come out of his no. mouth. Oh. Well, see, mate, I, he sent it to you. Yeah, on send WhatsApp it through, mate. I, I, I reckon you will want to show it to the boys. I reckon you will. It well, that's the speech really, he gave. Really that was pressure. that was one of the biggest yep. upsets in world sport, and, yep. and they did it. And it was all because of Kurt Russell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? I didn't I actually realise that. I remember the game. I haven't seen the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've only yeah. seen that clip. Well, what, what you don't realise, Whitey, is what we're now learning is that Kurt Russell was the actual coach um, of, the, of the American team back then, which I had no mm. idea of, Dan. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Nah. Yeah, mm. It's amazing. Yeah. But, <laughs> good on you, Scotty. Well, You've just confused everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, just, just where, as we wrap it up, is there anything like you obviously have so many um, plans and, and there's so much like unknowns is there anything that in terms of you've got your plan A, your plan B, but is there any sort of surprises that you're sort of planning for on a stage like today? No, I think, one, I know I know the tools I've got in front of me, the boys that I've got. I know what I can get out of them uh, or what I can't get out of them. Yeah, well, I've got, we've got, you know, Mikel's injured. Uh, the other boys are going to go as deep as they can go, but they can only do what they can do. So you just got to manage those resources early, and 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 you got to be realistic with what you can do with those guys. And I think any surprises, I, I think it's going to be a pretty straightforward forward race. As soon as it's famous last words, as soon as we get through that first phase, yeah. And that first phase, again, so that first phase of the race there, the breakaway could take a long, long time. I expect it will. But that, that first that first climb, it looks pretty daunting, but it, it's not super steep. It's just really, really long. Uh, you know, it's, it's a heavy climb. <laughs> and uh, it's, all the three climbs are today, they're not as steep as yesterday's. Oh, no, the Blackberry. I, I heard it vibrate, so we got a call, so we lost Whitey. Well, it's a good. Uh, it's a good time. We'll have a quick word from um, our mates okay. at Bike Exchange. We'll back because I've got a stack, a stack of questions for him. So. All right, here's a quick word from Bike Exchange. Look at this bike. You think it's just a bike, right? But it's not. <clears throat> it's a bike. Three hundred and seventy-four people are looking at this guy, this girl, them, all looking at it. People from here, there, and wherever this is. People that are looking for a bike. Or just a piece of it. Amateurs. Semi-amateurs. And pro-amateurs. This guy wants this bike, but with this crank. And these bars. This could be the perfect match. But not this one. This girl has a bike to sell. And thousands of people might purchase it. Eyes on bikes help grow small businesses. His. Hers. Yours. 
and the latest data and insights help those businesses keep moving. We are the world's number one bike marketplace with over 500,000 products and 900 brands where buyers and sellers are brought together in a place where a bike is never just a bike. Bike Exchange, where the world buys, sells, learns and rides. Thanks again to Bike Exchange. You're back, Waddy. I was worried that the Blackberry blew up, mate. Can you hear us, mate? Well, I did. Uh, oh. I had to take it out. I had to take it out of the case. Give it, a, give it a couple of blows, blows on the back of it, a bit of fresh air, and uh, now I'm holding it in my hand. <laughs> what were we going to say, Ify? I just look. One of the other scenarios that could realistically anyone, anyone who works in Blackberry out there, send me it, please. I, I, I'll, I'll buy a new one. <laughs> just tell me where I can get them. I need a new BlackBerry and I need it quick. I think you've got to go to an op shop. <laughs> yeah. Surely there's an Italian op shop with old phones where they recycle. You know what you need to do? Dip dip your hand into that phone recycling bin and just fish one out. Hey, Johnny, 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 they don't sell they don't sell telephones at knock shops, mate. Not over here. <laughs> op shop, op shop. Op shop. <laughs> All right, Alex. Not that I would know. But um, the riders like Vlasov, Carthy, you know, Bardet, who were just, you know, even though they're, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, they're all six, seven minutes down. I can imagine them going early and, and Ineos will not worry about them. But they could become a great stepping stone if they're up the road a little bit. They could, they could, Johnny, but but I think I think those sort of guys, having a, had a look at them the last couple of days, I think uh, I think they're on their knees, and I think uh, they'll be playing a, more of a conservative game because I think they risk if they go on the second last climb and it don't work, they let they're isolated and they blow on the last climb, they they lose everything. So I'd be very surprised to see those guys between. I see Almeida is being aggressive for sure. But because he's he's still coming up and he's got nothing to lose, he hasn't won a stage. But um, as far as the others, I think they'll play the safety game and, and not move until the last climb, so they they don't risk losing everything. Okay. Right. Um, one other thing that people have spoken about is is Colombians are notoriously good at altitude. Um, Simon Yates, he he obviously lives in Andorra, so altitude is not a problem for him. Yeah. He, he live, he's got his apartment at two thousand meters. So yeah, you know, the the Colombians do have an advantage when you're when you're racing at, at high high uh, high altitudes for sustained periods of time. But um, there, there's no rider these days who has there's no guy in the top ten who hasn't been at an altitude camp before this race. But the Colombians have a distinct advantage. For, so for them, two thousand meters is like riding around Lake Billy Griffith. You know, it's um, <laughs> uh, Bogota's Bogota's two thousand seven hundred meters, and all the training's up. So uh, it's an advantage, but I think these days the amount of altitude camps that guys could do it's not is not as big an advantage, especially when, especially when when the hilltop the final the final isn't at altitude. You know, if you're finishing at two one two two, oh, he's gone again. The blackberry. Oh well, <laughs> we we got a few good comments out of him. We got a good solid no, twenty great. minutes. Great. Um, you talk about um, so Almeida is the one that he said that he's expecting to see attack. To Koenig Quickstep, obviously chasing a stage win, 
and they've got so two stages to go. They have Cavagna, who's a good time trialer for the time trial, but you've got um, Philippe Gunn as the world time trial champion, so unlikely to win that stage. This is it. This is the last chance they have to go for a, a stage win. Um, and maybe the fact that he is on eight minutes or so, that's that penultimate climb that uh, Almeida might be the one that we'll, we'll try and attack from, I don't think from Bernardino, but from the from the Sprugan, Park, Sprugan Pass, maybe that's where Almeida will go for it. Because there'd be a lot of pressure, obviously, with them, with Ebenepol uh, and the tactics within that team and obviously the political stuff that was going on with him as well on the, on the gravel stage. Yeah. Um, so there'd be a bit of pressure, I think, from Patrick Lefebvre, their boss, to, to try and come away from the Grand Tour with the stage win, this is really their last chance today. Well, you're you're a man of uh, interesting stats around the race, Scooter. What's famous or the connection with Garner and today's stage? Uh, he's from the town that it's starting from, Verbania, which is on Lake Maggiore. Now, interestingly, he's part of the track team for the Tokyo Olympic Games. Yesterday's start town is the hometown or birthplace of his national track coach, Marco Villa, who is also bronze medalist at the Olympic Games uh, in Sydney, behind um, Brett Aiken and I, two times World Madison champion as well. So yesterday they started in his coach's town. Today they started in Philip Ogana's hometown in Verbania. Look, look at the, the start. It's really worth watching the start of, of the stage tonight. Obviously the mountains are going to be amazing, but the whole first part of the stage they go along the western shore of Lago de Maggiore, Lake Maggiore, yeah, from Verbania, which is um, just north of the town of Stressa. Um, I used to joke back in the day when I lived, honestly, I lived like 10Ks from, from where they're starting from, beautiful part of the world. And, and I used to do laps of the lake on my long, my long flat days. It was 180K lap of, of Lake Maggiore. So it's worth watching the start of this stage because it is absolutely splendid, beautiful. And just uh, south of Verbania is the town of Stressa. And that's where the cable car actually went from that, uh, that collapsed a couple of days ago. I used to joke with my ex-wife that uh, the town was named after her and she didn't appreciate it. It's probably why we're not together anymore. <laughs> You're a gay man anyway. But uh, I've got to say that uh, is one of the most beautiful areas, not just in Italy but anywhere in the world. It is yeah. just you know, staggering. You go there, I've spent a few days there. You're right. I haven't ridden right around the lake but I've ridden a fair way around it um, and it's just just gorgeous, absolutely. Yeah. I took, I took. Uh, so I had uh, Jason, you know, as you know, Johnny, um, Jason Phillips, you know, one of our, our best mates. He came in, came down from Germany um, and stayed with me, you know, my apartment uh, in uh, Verona Borghi um, for a, a few days, and we did a lap off the lake. And two things I, I didn't calculate right. It was a weekend, so Lake like all the lakes, whether it's Lake Como, Maggiore, or Lake Garda, which is further east, on the weekend you don't go and ride your bike around it because everybody goes there for the weekend. They all drive their cars. They come down from Switzerland or wherever in Italy, from Milan, and it's chock-a-block full of traffic around the lake. You you want to ride it during the week. Um, and it poured rain. So we were going around one of the world's most picturesque regions. Most of the time we were single file because there was too much traffic and it poured rain the whole time. Afterwards, and he said this several years later, the worst ride he's ever, ever done. Um, <laughs> and I was taking him on and thinking it was going to be one of the best rides he ever did. But, uh, yeah, no. But um, on a nice day, it's certainly fantastic. So up Maggiore, they go into Switzerland tonight, up over uh, – so the San Bernardino climb is in Switzerland, 30 kilometres. Then they come down to the Sprugen Pass, which is still 
uh, it comes up to the border of Italy back south again as they drop back down into Italy. And the Finnish climb, where they turn off at the bottom to go up that climb, that river that they come off is the river that feeds Lake Como. So they go from oh. Lake Maggiore across to Lake Como, absolutely splendid. And Como, I know you'd be interested, Dan. Lake Como mm-hmm. is where they filmed a lot of uh, the Star Wars um, movies, like the the, the was the, the the second group of movies like that was supposed to be oh, yeah. yeah yeah and they had the, the water planet and all the whatever it was yeah a lot of that was filmed at uh, at Lake Como and didn't they film the uh, Nespresso ads up there with George Clooney he lives there yeah he does yeah there you go yeah, yeah. I remember and, and, and Brian Nygaard has a place there as well that, oh, shout okay, out to Brian. Brian Brian's doing very well I remember sitting in at Como having a coffee on a ride um, and I think it was actually with with Jace, Jason Phillips. And I remember hearing an American tourist a table over from us on the phone, and um, and all I could hear him say was, "Yeah, uh, I'm at some place, uh, you know, beside some lake, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I got the meeting later on today, and we're sitting there thinking, mate, you're in Como. You just yeah. you're not just at some place beside a lake. This is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Show we some bloody respect. Exactly, we were quite offended. Hey, uh, <laughs> we've spoken a lot about Simon Yates. He was obviously pretty pumped after his stage win. He's he's grabbed from the backstage pass. Uh, you're getting used to these uh, bottle pops. That was, that's a big one. So I have my time to open it and and aim correctly. Really, really good job from the boys. Uh, control the start, road, most basically all day, and uh, and then yeah, I just managed to finish it off for them. So really happy. You can't see it though because I got this bloody mask on, but that, that's all right. Uh, what effect, if he does it have winning a stage before such an important one like today and going in with that mental approach where essentially the monkey's off your back because, you know, every team wants to win a stage, that pressure's off, but going in with momentum, what effect is that going to have, do you think? Yeah. Interestingly, the, the winning the stage part would have made him feel fantastic for his team as much as for himself because he's won, you know, plenty of stages in the Giro uh, and in the Tour de France. And so, so, but the team worked so hard for him to do that. He would have felt enormous relief that he delivered for them. But more importantly to him would be the fact that he distanced Bernal. And that would be the resonating point moving into today's stage. Now, we've still got more comments coming in. I think the T-man's getting frustrated. Uh, he says, does Yatesy have a rim brake bike available to ride? I think he is riding on rim. <laughs> oh, no, he's not. He's disc brakes. But that, they did the new uh, – Bianchi created the new frames for this year because last year it was so with Jumbo Visma and they were using rim brake bikes because their disc brake bikes were too heavy too or heavy. heavier than the 6.8-kilogram uh, UCI limit. Legal limit. Uh, so, and this year they've developed lighter versions of their disc brake bike. So they're riding on the discs now. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we've got another comment. Uh, and this is, again, everyone trying to ask questions about Bernal. It comes from Colin Morley. Egan did not get out of the saddle at all on the final climb yesterday and can't recall him doing so in stage 17. Does this indicate back pain or discomfort, Scooter? Good observation. Um, it may well indeed. However, he, like when you look down to, you say, you know, Bernard cracking and whatever, losing a bit of time, there were, what, four riders left in that at that time? Um, you know, so he, it's not like he blew up and finished 15th on the stage. You know, he's still, he's back and whatever discomfort he may or may not be feeling, he still enable 
him, enabling him to finish second, third, fourth on, on these stages. Um, but that's a good indication, you know, or a good observation, I should say, that, um, yeah, look, maybe, maybe that's... Look, they're, they're different styles as well, isn't there? Like, Yatesy is very much a guy that likes to get out, like Contador, gets, likes to get out of the seat and, and, and bounce around and dance on the pedals. Uh, whereas Bernal has never been that kind of rider. It was the same when he won the Tour de France as well. Um, but might be onto something there. Ify, this is a better question for you because it's about racing and drinking grog. John Bodie <laughs> says, do the riders really drink the champagne or do they just pay the drink lip service? Well, I don't know how cold that uh, champagne is uh, that they uh, spray. Uh, I think they have a sip just to, to, to do the service, but they normally have a bottle of, uh, uh, of Italian spumante um, for dinner, and they all have just a quarter of a glass, you know, just to, to celebrate the, the victory. So that the, the, the team of the winner normally all have a sip. Even the non-drinkers have a sip just to uh, do the right thing. Uh, now, I've got it. a... Bullied into I'll, it. I've got a theory about Bernal. You know, I've rattled off, you know, four scenarios the other night with Keenan. I've got another one. And I remember watching it live after he won stage 16. I could not help look at his hands in the interview. And they they were shaking uncontrollably. This is He's obviously freezing. Now, when you win the jersey, you've got to do protocol. You've got to do podium. You've got to do interviews, all that sort of stuff. You're not going straight to the bus, getting in a hot shower, starting your recovery. Just look at this interview and particularly focus on his hands. I even replayed the second part with a slow-mo. Yeah, it's, it's a great victory. Uh, if you win with the with the Malia Rosa, it's, it's a special. No? So I wanted to to show it. Uh, and uh, yeah, not every day you win a stage in the Giro with the Malia Rosa. So now I always say on this show, I'm not a bike rider. I don't ride. But my mum always said, "Hey, don't go out in the cold because you'll get sick." Now, if you're a professional bike rider, you know, you're already on the limit. You're already running on vapours. What sort of effect does that have, Ify? Or you reckon I'm talking absolute dribble again? Yes, I do. I think you're talking ah. absolute dribble. Only in that, look, to me, all I saw was his hand playing around trying to get his mask right. Yeah, but you're, you wear glasses, John. I I study this. I can see the minute little shakes. And, and this hand, it was rattling. Like when he moved his hand out, he was shivering. Well, I reckon uh, he could have got sick as a result. And, all, and it might come out in the wash. He'll say, Dan Jones picked it, he'll say. Yep. Oh, what's could've the been, point? If been. I bloody discover stuff like this and you shut it down, I'll just stop Stop trying. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I don't have to agree with you every time. I usually do. You yeah. should do. Just oh, a bit no, of support. This is, where you, this is where you're going to play the theme to uh, The Odd Couple. That's right. Hey, um, you know, we, we spoke about uh, you know the, the time trial on the final stage, right? So we get through this um, stage tonight, and we put the head-to-head versus Banal versus Yates mm. for the final time trial, and it's two eight, two all. Okay, so they've raced each other four times. It's two all. Now the other scenario is Damiano Caruso. So yeah. we talk about him being a better time trialer than Simon Yates. Well, is he? Because in Grand Tours, they've raced each other, um, I think it's, well, overall, they've raced each other 14 times, okay? Caruso has won eight or finished eight times in front of Simon Yates, okay? But when you're talking about Grand Tours, the first time trial 
head-to-head in, in the opening time trial of Grand Tours, Simon is three to one versus Caruso. Okay, so that's when they're fresh. That's when they're abs- they've gone their absolute maximum as well as their freshest. So that to me indicates that Simon's actually a better time trial than Caruso. But if you look at the time trials that are late in the race, so are from stage sixteen onwards, and there's always the variables about where they are on the overall classification. You know, have they are they off the GC, so they're not going absolutely deep in the time trial or not. However, four nil Caruso T eights when it's late by, in a by much. Tour. Are we talking big gaps? Because if he's four uh, nil and hits yes. him by three or four seconds, it, it's not huge. Yeah. But a couple of those are when uh, uh, Yates had already blown, so he was sort of mm. you know, so he's just riding through. That's what I say. Yeah. Because so yeah. the, the, the it's relevant because late in a time trial, who time trials better? But if it's not like for like, if one's still going as hard as he can and the other one's off GC and yeah. doesn't care, well then it, it's not a good comparison. But in terms of like where Simon is at the moment, we know he's in good form. He's the best rider right now in the Giro. If you put them head-to-head in Grand Tours at the start of uh, these big races, he has beaten Caruso three times and Caruso's only beaten him once. Um, so Simon's actually, you know, we know he's not a great time Great shot, stats. But great stats. He could yep. be on it, yeah. Oh, so, so you support that one, John? Yep. Yeah, well, I agree <laughs> with that one. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. David, he's, he's with me. I'm with you, Jonesy. Shivers. Shivers. Uh, T-Man <laughs> says... His spine. Ask, ask the King Sean Kelly about freezing weather riding. He'll tell you to wrap up and stamp the, the pedals harder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, I always I, I like listening. Yeah, to but just on what you were like, before we move away from your last point, uh, Scooter, I was just going to say, yeah, I think if they rode the time trial today, I, I think Yatesy would beat them both. But by how much I don't know, but I think he would beat them both. Um, Tonight, it depends on who ends up exploding or, or not, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's going to just be fascinating. Mm. Um, Scooter, yeah. Ben asks again, but don't you think the high altitude suits Egan more than anyone, though? I mean, the whole growing up at altitude, even if you live there, you haven't grown up with it and all this sort of stuff. Is that a factor or it doesn't matter? Um, no, look, yes and no. Okay, so surely... Um, all the Colombians and Egan um, will be far better suited to racing at high altitude. We've got three climbs that are over up around 2,000 metres or just slightly over, but that's only at the very top, okay? So when they're 5Ks from the top, they're still down at 1,700 metres or so, and it's from about 1,800 metres typically where you really do start to feel the effects. And as Whitey said, that uh, you know all these top riders now are training at altitude, so they're much better suited to riding above 1,800 than what they used to be. But for, say, the 30 kilometres of the San Bernardino, 30-kilometre climb, it'll only be the last five, seven Ks that are kind of up in that sort of red zone, getting closer to 2,000 metres. Then it's down again up the next one. So it's not as if they're racing at a plateau at around 2,000 metres. Absolutely, that's where Egan um, would be able to come into his own. But it's only the last couple of Ks of each of these climbs. So, um, and, and they're well-trained as well now. So it, we've seen in the Tour de France when they've gone to, you know, and sometimes the jury, you go to 2,600 metres. You know, then you've got several kilometres of climbing above 2,000 in altitude. Absolutely. That's when the Colombians really come into their own. I, I don't think it's a big factor this time, though. Uh, if he is one, it was probably directed for Matt White, but Paul Groves asked, what are the chances of Bike Exchange Rider getting in the break tonight? Um, 
I don't think so. I think they've got other jobs for them. Uh, Navy's in too much pain, as you mentioned uh, earlier when we were talking, with the cracked rib, and I know exactly how that feels. Um, and uh, Tangart will have a role to do to look after him. So I don't think they'll even attempt that. No. Mm, yeah, Nick Schultz goes, is, a big, is a big loss, isn't it? Nick Schultz mm, not being there is going to be a big loss. Definitely. Definitely. Kingo says, let's hope it plays out to leave an exciting time trial on Sunday and then Yatesy just needs to keep on top of the chain as tight as possible. That'd be ideal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, shout out to uh, Cam Meyer. We're talking about teammates for um, uh, for for Yatesy. Cam, just think about that first week, mate. He struggled to get through, almost went home because yeah. um, yeah. he was sick and just soldiered on, kept going. They looked after him, after him, didn't ask too much of him, and then now he's there, he's there doing the job and, and helping out. Okay, he's not there on the final climbs and replacing someone like Nick Schultz, um, but he's doing a job, um, and he played an integral part in the last couple of stages. Yeah, Very for sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I didn't get a chance to play the footy speech for Whitey, but do you want to hear it now just to rev ourselves up before we yes. look to wrap yeah. the show? Do you want to hear yeah. it? You go do that, and then you can send them both to Whitey. All right. Well, this this is as rough as it gets, so apologies. If anyone does take offence, we didn't say it, but I thought it was pretty funny. I don't know if anybody saw the Olympics. Somewhere in the 80s, there was this chick that did this marathon, and she, fair enough, she'd come 10th or 20th or something like that, but that's not important. The poor was running. She actually crawled to the line. She didn't give up. She pushed herself, she pushed herself, she pushed herself to near f***ing exhaustion. That's what I'm asking of you, blokes, is to push yourself right to the final hoover and take this f***ing prize away from these They don't deserve it. We f***ing do. Yeah, not the same effect, eh? Did they win? Yeah, they won. <laughs> oh, did they? Almost, I like yeah, how she, 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 ran, she, she ran 10th or 20th or something, but that's not important. That's not important. She pushed the near <laughs> exhaustion. That's she what crawled across the line. Yeah. I'm not sure the beeps were actually in sequence with the word no, you're trying to no. cover up. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a few head bombs slipped through. Yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> uh, well, anyway. Hey, you got to do uh, uh, Robert De Niro's, the other one, isn't it? Um, the NFL movie. What was that one? Oh, Any Given Sunday. Any Given Sunday. Great speech as well. Inch yeah, by yeah. inch. Inches. Yeah. We yeah. clawed with our fingernails for that inch. Yeah, yeah. that was a cracker. Yeah, that's, that's a great speech, man. No, no. And then there's, uh, what's his name? The Hawthorne coach, you know. Don't Kennedy. Don't, don't think, just do. think, do. Yeah. I'll, I'll... Get, everyone forgets that they got thrashed in the last quarter after that. <laughs> <laughs> and Teddy Whitten. Well, we had a comment oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. earlier. Uh, about Teddy Witten saying that we should have that from Cheryl. She says, I think you should share Ted Witten's address. Uh, that was an absolute belter. Yeah, she has that. yeah, I did hear a few of them over my time, but anyway. Yeah. Um, Anything uh, you want to add before we wrap things up, Scooter? Um, oh, look, Simon's obviously the man, the man showing the best form at the moment, even though, you know, the, the look, he went six and a half Ks from the finish yesterday. So, uh, a little bit more than he did the previous uh, stage that he, he lit it up. Um, whereas the, I think I think they're brewing for a penultimate climb 
attack. They, they, it's all in. It's, you know, and you kind of, Whitey obviously doesn't want to put all the tactics out there because you know, whoever else can listen as well. The other teams. Me knows Dave oh. Grouse was listening, mate. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I would think that um, it's all or nothing. They're not, they're not going for a podium place. They're not trying to finish second. It's actually to try and get the win. Um, and I think even if they do that, I think he still finishes on the podium because I think he's, you know, he's got legs over the top of the guys behind him at the moment, except perhaps maybe Almeida, but he's, you know, five minutes behind him. So I think it's a penultimate climb. Um, they're going to have to light it up. We'll have to wait and see what the bike exchange teammates can do without Nick Schultz there. Um, it might be hard for them to make it difficult enough for Simon to actually make the attack. That's perhaps where they might fall down. Wouldn't you? If I was Whitey, I'd go to quick step before the start and say, all right, here's the deal. If you will attack at this point, if you get Almeida to come across, uh, we'll let you have the stage. But they've got to swap off together and just yeah. let's just team up and just go bang. And I reckon Bramadio yeah. would go on deal. And the White Wizards yeah. there, um, Lefebvre, so they want to uh, impress him. So yeah, no, I think that's good. That, that, I think that would be a good scenario. That look, Simon doesn't need to win the stage now. He's done that. No. He needs the numbers. He needs the best climbers to yep. to form an alliance. Yeah. And Dan Martin knows Whitey really well. So Dan Almeida and Yatesy, just give them the heads up. Just say, all right, at this kilometer point, all things being equal, that's where we're going to go. So make sure you're ready, and let's yeah. go. And Vlasov was a little bit better yesterday. Actually, mm. so you know, hey, before we uh, jump away too far, how about Michael Stora? Again, yesterday they were, they were getting out the nitty gritty of that bike race, and he's still there. So you got you got Banal close to cracking, and Stora is just riding along, looking after Bardet, and Bardet cracks, and he just goes back with him. I'd just like to know how he would have gone if he'd ridden for himself. It was pretty impressive. Mm. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, another another Western Australian, mate. So, um, yeah, we were talking about Hank the other night about the Western Australians and how strong they are. They've got certainly some depth over there and stores uh, another one. And, he look, he, when he turned pro, he was very raw. He's had to learn a fair bit, actually. So if you look at his age, you know, it's not as if, you know, he's probably a couple of years behind some of the others in terms of development, in terms of just mindset and how to be a professional. Um, so, yeah, he's shown some great signs of being something very special in the next couple of seasons. Yeah. yeah. No, well, if, if Bernal's on a good one as well, he'd be another handy one to have up the road with him. So. Bernal? No, we don't want oh, Bernal. Bernal. No, well, Bardet. There's <laughs> a brain fart. Sorry about that. Bardet. Your, your hand's shaking a bit there, mate. <laughs> yeah, mate. I need to get in a hot shower and recover. All right, fellas. Well, it's going to be a cracking stage tonight. Uh, enjoy the coverage if you're in Australia on SBS. They're doing a great job. And shout out to Matty Keenan and Dave McKenzie. And uh, I don't think Robbie's commentating because he's gone back up north for that $5, $531 ticket. Uh, but as we always say, uh, keep supporting the show. Tell your mates, youtube.com forward slash the detour podcast. Like, share, subscribe, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow night. I think you've got Phil Liggett lined up, don't you? Yes, uh, Phil just uh, sent me a text saying he apologised he couldn't get on tonight. He was he was out and about and didn't see didn't take his phone. But well, uh, well they gave him twenty minutes' notice, so well, that's a record. And. Yeah. Um, but he's fine for tomorrow night, which would be great to uh, to uh, dissect all of this because it's going to be something yeah. special. And Jerry uh, is um, told me to keep my phone on because he's watching all the stage tonight. He's not missing any of it. He wants to be uh, texting me. So uh, 
think so. I know what I'm talking about. So the Oracle, uh, uh, yeah, the Oracle. Oh, good. Uh, good, good. Hey, and we're great to have Phil on um, tomorrow night because, well, hey. 1989, he was the man on the microphone for the closest ever finish of the Tour de France in a time trial on the Champs-Élysées, Le Mans versus Fignon. So, yeah. And look, it's that's that's a, a perfect reason to have him on for the final time trial of the Giro, but it's filming it. So let's get him on whenever we can. So what a great man. Yep. Sounds good. Um, final comments. Uh, Carolyn says, good thinking, 86 slash Dan. Uh, Simon says, don't know if Takuni Quickstep would assist. Didn't Bike Exchange knock off one of their riders, Dan? Oh, that, that was in the past. It's all been sorted out. Yeah, mates, and Jason, best mates now. Best mates now. <laughs> Jason Cruz from the Maldives says, looking forward tonight. So are we, Jace. It's going to be an absolute cracker. And Gary Tilly liked that speech. He says, that's gold, Jonesy. Maldives would be a good time zone, wouldn't it, to be to watching? Uh, oh, know, yeah, like perfect. Compared to us. Yeah, like, I, to be honest, I had to actually rewatch. The climb last night because um, I uh, I woke up and it wasn't the bike race that was on TV when my eyes opened. So I fell asleep before the finish. So I had to actually go back and rewatch it. Um, whereas for Jason in in, uh, in the Maldives, that'd be perfect time zone. You finish. Oh up yeah, you could have a few beers. Night. Michael Great. Slater, tell some old cricket yarns. Be perfect. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maldives. Final one from Samantha says, "What about good old George Bennett to team up? Actually, he would he would be good. He he's done a lot this Giro, so he'd probably be in the hurt box on the second climb. But geez, that first climb, if you could team up with GB, he'd be fantastic. He's starting. He really is starting to come up. What is he? He's moved up to eleventh, uh, I think. Eleventh, yeah, George, twenty one minutes, but." He actually closed the gap uh, when Yatesy first went uh, yesterday. I know he's closing the gap. I said, hey, George, what are you doing there, mate? But uh, it didn't last too long. But I don't yeah, think he's going quite. Because he said, oh, nothing, Johnny, nothing. I'll just go back to the group again now. <laughs> I, I, I don't think George is going well enough to be really able to uh, produce the firepower that's required to put the, the, the big gap in. Not At his best, of course he has, but not, he's not at his best. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us again, fellas. Thanks again to Matt White. He's been super every day giving us these insights. We've been really lucky and we're looking forward to an epic stage. So fingers crossed. Yates is on a good one. I think we do a fundraiser mm -hmm. to get a new phone for Whitey. If he and really wants a BlackBerry, And that fundraiser is when Jerry's texting you tonight. Uh, you can just say, hey, can you get Whitey a Blackberry? Yeah, I think of the same thing. I think, hey, John, don't you know someone that owns the team? Yeah. Jerry does it right, yeah. I just got a text message from the old man. He goes, your video clarity is not as sharp as the others. I, I think that's at your end, Emu, because it looks pretty sharp at, at my no, end here. No, you look very hazy. Just really? as you said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah just all, as you yeah, said that. If, if you wipe your camera, <laughs> you know what you always tell me to do? Just have a look yeah. at that. Is that better? No. That's the same. All right, we're starting to waffle, boys. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. And I'll okay. fix the text issues for tomorrow. See you guys.